0: morning. You know, it's kind of ominous because uh, you guys are all, so for those of you at home, you can't see this, but you guys are all packed on the outsides and the back. I don't know. <laughs> Preaching to some empty seats here in the front. So, You know, there's a speaker I saw one time, and he, the people who were out in the front, they'd bring umbrellas and rain ponchos, because when he would speak, he'd get so, he'd start spraying. <laughs> so I, I don't know, maybe that's going on here. But welcome. It's good to be here. It's good to be here on this, uh, this morning. Hey, I want you to uh, start out just, just by taking a look around. Take a look around this place. Uh, those of you who are here, you can look out the windows, see what you see. What do you see? Those of you who are at home, take a look around. What do you see around you? Take a look. You see the, Maybe at home you see a couch and a table. Out here you might see some trees or the person sitting next to you. Now, I want you to take a look around again. What do you not see? What do you not see that you know is there, right? Because there's plenty that we know is there that you, we can't see, right? You don't see the air. You don't see the radio waves that are throw, blowing through this all the time, going through the space that we live in, all kinds of radio and microwaves. And you don't see, you don't see the gravity that's pulling us into the earth. We don't, we don't see that. And we don't think about sometimes the things that we see and that we don't see. Because in this world, it's an amazing thing, but we see some things that are made up of stuff, but other things that are made up of the same stuff, we don't. We see right through them. And we don't know exactly why, do we? We just, it, it, it interacts with, we say it interacts with light different, and we come up with all these, but why? Why does it? But in all that, we do know this, right? This is a truth that we know that just because you can't see something in this world doesn't mean that it doesn't matter, right? As anybody can attest to that's walked into a newly cleaned patio door, right? (laughs) Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean it's not gonna have impact on your life. We don't see God's love, we don't see God, but they matter and the impact he impacts our life He's there, physical things, spiritual things, mental things. Can you see what the person next to you is thinking? No. Is it there? I think so. It seems to be in me. I've heard it's in you guys too, right? We don't see them. So physical things, emotional things, mental things, they're real. They can make an impact on our lives. In the book of Ephesians, Paul uses the illustration of another one of these things in our world that we can't see, the wind. And he uses it as an illustration of the way that spiritually there are forces that are at work that we don't see in this world, but they do make an impact. Spiritual forces can batter our lives like a strong wind at times. They can can impact us in negative ways, especially if we're not anchored. If we don't have some kind of a grounding, like a, a tree with roots in the ground if we don't have something that, that holds us firm, we can, it says we can get blown this way and then that way that we can get in any area of our life, we can have absolutely no control at times over them because we're not paying attention to, yes, the things that we can't see, but the things that are very, very real. So in Ephesians 3, verse 14 through 19, Paul prays a prayer for this church that he's writing to. And he prays for them some very specific things along these lines concerning this wind. So stand with me as we read these words of this prayer. I would say this is a good prayer to keep in mind for us, and especially as we start out this new kind of journey together into this, this fall where we are in these rooted groups and thinking, what does it mean to be rooted in Christ This is Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. It says, for this reason, and he's saying for the reasons that everything that came before this in this book, in the book of Ephesians, there's a lot there, but for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner person so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you will may be filled up to all the fullness of God you guys a tree is designed to grow strong and tall and it comes the strength of it comes from its roots in the same way we were designed spiritually to to grow str- strong and, and not so much tall, but as Ephesians says, is complete to grow full, full to the fullness of God, and not just as individuals, but that we as a community would be this representation of Jesus. We would be the very uh, people would look at us and they'd say that that looks more like Jesus. And he says the strength of that comes from our roots, from how we're grounded into the bedrock in the person of Jesus. So we want to experience that that prayer, don't we? We want that to be real. We want to be rooted and grounded in Christ. We want Christ to dwell in us and through us and make his name and himself known through us. And so we need to ask God for that same prayer, that we need to pray the same words that we too might have the same kind of roots, the same kind of grounding in him, Amen? This morning's message is titled New Roots, New Life. Father God, we come to you this morning and we need that prayer to be true too. God, we, we look around and, and there, are things that are, there are things that are at work in this world that crash up against us at times and Father, it makes it hard at times to believe that this truly is that day that you have made, that there is, there is so much to rejoice in, there's so much to be thankful for. We get consumed by our fears and our anxieties instead of being flooded and immersed in just our thankfulness to you and the glory of what you're doing in our lives. Father, we need to be Anchored, We need to be grounded in Christ, in the power of your life that flows through us and is poured into us through your spirit. We need this this prayer to be answered in us, even this morning. So we ask that you'd be here. We ask that you would be speaking to us through your word, that our hearts would be open to hearing you. Father, we pray that the winds would be calmed For this moment in this room so that we could hear you or at our homes where we're watching this this broadcast, just, Father, that you would make a space that was protected and quiet that we might be able to hear that, that still, small voice of your spirit as he speaks to us and speaks to our heart and begins to transform and change everything that is within us. So Father, come and make this time yours, come and make this place yours, make us yours. We pray these things in Jesus' name, by the power of your spirit, for your glory. Amen. 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 Have a seat. On uh, May 22nd, 2011, and I know you... (laughs) I've mentioned this before. You've heard, I know you watched the newsreels, but there was this F5 tornado that went through Joplin and, and it was nationwide coverage. I know that many of you probably saw the images that came out of that, the aftermath of that tornado. At the time, uh, our family was about an hour east of Joplin in Springfield, Missouri. And uh, we had the opportunity because of that over the following weeks to actually go with groups from our church regularly to go help with the cleanup. And uh, if you wanna talk about a devastating force that you cannot see, but that has immense power, a tornado would have to be at the top of the list. You know, you can't see the air, you can't see the wind. You can't, you, you can see the results of the wind, you can see things being blown around, but you can't see that force that actually takes air and moves it and begins to circulate it and then forms a vortex with it. It becomes a mile wide and wipes out a whole city. You can't see that. You just see it, you see things being thrown about, and you see the aftermath. You can't see why it it starts up at one point and then it ends. It just dissipates in in about you know a mile, two, three miles sometimes. Just goes away as if it was never there, leaving behind devastation. You know the Joplin tornado we saw. We went into this town, and it had actually taken this nine-story hospital building, massive building, twisted the whole thing about four inches, so it was unusable. They had to tear it down. Took the whole thing, just on its foundation, and turned it. It was. It went through. It took. It just the the high school was gone. It was a graduation weekend, and so thankfully, I mean, there was no one. People were in other places rather than in that high school celebrating in, in different baccalaureate services and that type of thing. There, we went through neighborhoods that were just missing. They, they just weren't there anymore. You couldn't, you couldn't tell what had no landmarks to go with. There were cars that were crumpled up and thrown into trees. There were trees that were gone. But one of the, one of the images that sticks with me and that will always stick with me was We came to this one neighborhood, and they had these massive oak trees. I mean, they had to be probably 60, 70 years old, just huge, huge trunks, and they were torn up by their roots from the wind, and their roots were still holding on to the bedrock that they had anchored themselves into and just ripped out with them when that wind had come through. Because even though we can't see the air and we can't see the wind, it can be devastatingly Powerful. In the same way, in Ephesians, Paul uses this this picture to get across a, a different kind of a wind, a different kind of a wind that has is just as powerful, can be just as devastating. Starts out in Ephesians two two, where he refers to Satan, he refers to this kind of Satan who is the head of the, the chief spirit over the. The spirits that are arrayed against God and against his work and against his people. And Satan is referred to as the prince of the power of the air. The prince of the power of the air. A spirit, it says, who's now working effectively in those who are disobedient to God and his purposes. So, like the wind, he's not seen. But his impact is still seen and his impact is still felt. Later in, at the end of the book and in uh, Ephesians 6.12, it says we see this whole hierarchy of these spirits that are form this kind of the kingdom of darkness. And it's these spirits that, that again, they're working against God and against his people. It says there are principalities and there are, there are powers and there are world forces of darkness and spiritual forces of weakness, wickedness and all of them which oppose the things that God is doing. There's this part of this strong wind that constantly just blows against the work of God and the people of God, including us. And then in Ephesians 4.14, it says that we need to grow up both as individuals, but more importantly, it says, we need to grow up as a community so that we become those that are no longer tossed about by the waves or blown about by every wind of doctrine every plan every lie that is concocted by the schemes of humans by the deceitfulness by trickery it says these are the winds that constantly are battering against the people of god and and i would say that we see that we we've seen it the church has always seen that that there are those lies and those those forces that are at work to undermine the things that God is trying to do both in your life individually, but also what he's trying to do in his people, what he's trying to do in his church to establish this this place of refuge, this place of safety from the wind. You know, bedrock, I found out in Joplin, can be torn out. But Jesus says that if If we will anchor to him, that he is a bedrock that cannot be destroyed, that he will not be moved. So what do we do? What do we do in this world that has this spiritual wind that comes crashing against us? What do we do in order to be grounded in him? The prayer that we read earlier, that passage that we read earlier, it says that we need to become powerfully rooted and grounded in in Christ. But it also lays out in this, those words, it lays out this process for how, how that happens. How do we do that? How do we become rooted in Christ? How do we become rooted and grounded in a way that we will not be moved as well? Well, the first thing it says is that we pray. Paul said, you know, uh, for this reason, and he's saying everything that came before in that book, for the reason, the reason. Because I know what God has done. I know what God has intended from before the beginning of time. Because of that, for this reason, I bow my knee. I know what God has done in order to bring these, make these things available to us, to make his life available to us, to make his power available to us. Because of this, for this reason, I bow my knee. Because I know of these forces that are arrayed against us, that come crashing against us, for this reason, I bow my knee. So this is the first place that we start as we pray. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father. You know, we've been talking these last couple of weeks, and we've been living these last couple of years and finding out that, you know what, we are over our heads, aren't we? We are over our heads in this world against forces that we do not have control over. We are over our heads with situations that, that we, we just we can't plan for, we can't predict. We are over our heads in terms of the calling of what God has called us to do. We can't possibly do the things that God says in his word that he wants us to be a part of. We can't do that on our own. We are over our heads. And for that reason, we pray, right? That's where we start. Said last week that nothing is worthwhile, nothing will be accomplished if it doesn't start in, it's not immersed in, it doesn't continue and emerge out of if it doesn't come from prayer. That's true as individuals, but it's also true as a, as a church. And for that reason, we, we pray. Second, Paul says, you know, I pray, and what I pray specifically yes, I pray That God might give His power, so we pray for power. You know the word that's used there uh, for power is this word in Greek, is dunamis. It's literally it's the word that we get dynamite from, because when somebody saw what dynamite could do, and they thought, what's a good word? What's a good kind of root to draw from? They said, uh, power, dunamis, like it's talking about in Greek power like that, power to accomplish, power to, well, of course, that is what we're praying for. God, I don't have the power to do what you're calling me to do. I don't have the power to withstand what's coming up against me. I don't have the power to, to over, I, I, I am overwhelmed by just the forces and by the fears and by the anxieties of this world. God, I don't have the power. So I pray that God instead will pour out his power and give me his power, and that he would grant it. It says in Ephesians, it says in that passage, in that prayer, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. So don't, don't just give me the power that I understand, but actually give me power that's beyond anything I can comprehend. How many of you guys feel like there are times, maybe even right now, that you're facing something that you could use God's power instead of just yours? Anybody, right, right? I mean, some of us, it's this very real, very obviously physical circumstances that we're in and we're going, God, I need you to do something right now that I can't do. Sometimes it's just looking into the future saying, I don't even know. Sometimes uh, I don't know what's coming up. I need your power to be able to see what I need to see in order to prepare for things that I, I can't possibly prepare for. We need God's discernment. We need... His power, because we face an enemy who has a power that's that's beyond ours. You know, in in the Bible, Satan uh, it says that he started out known as Lucifer. Lucifer literally means the light bearer, the light carrier. In 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 Scripture, light is always it's about truth, it's about things that are revealed. And so here's this one that is closest to God probably in understanding what the truth is. He can quote scripture better than any of us. He knows God's intentions, but also what that means is he has turned, he has fallen, and he can twist that better than any of us. And so here we are, and one of the, one of the things that comes crashing against us in our lives is lies that look exactly like they might be true. Looks like they make a lot of sense. We go, God, I can't tell the difference right now. It says in in the New Testament that Satan, sometimes he'll he'll show up and he'll look like an angel of light. Why? Because his best power is to deceive us, is to take that truth and to tweak it, to make it look good so that we buy it. It happened in the garden. It happens in our lives every day. Say, God, I, I I need the power to withstand that because I don't have the discernment to tell the difference. Not when he's against somebody that good, not somebody that good at what he does, not someone that has that kind of power. So then he says, what's interesting is the third part is it's not just power. We often think of power as it affects what's outside of us, but he says, we pray for power That it might be brought all the way down into the inner person. We pray for power in the inner person. You know, when we think about change, a lot of times we want to change the outer situation first, don't we? We want to say, God, God, just fix my car, right? God, just get these kids to calm down, right? God, God, help me. Help me on that test that I'm about to take. Help me in that interview that I'm about to face. God, help help the circumstances to go well. And he says, I don't wanna start there. God says, I want to change the inside, who you are in the inner person, because that's where the rooting and the grounding goes on, because physical strength won't do it. Outer composure won't do it. Emotional strength isn't gonna do it for you. It's that inner strength of the spirit, that place that you can't even, you can't even see, you don't even recognize. You know, in the Old Testament, God said He gave His people this law. And in the New Testament it writes about that law and it says one of the reasons, one of the reasons God gave it, but one of the reasons it failed is because it tried to work. Laws come from the outside in. We have an outside law, we says this is what needs to happen and we try and work it into our life. And it kept failing. And anytime there's a rule, I don't know about you guys, but I saw it in my kids and I saw it in my own life growing up, but, and I see it every day. But it's when I hear a rule, somebody says, you gotta do this. The first thing I think is, I'm gonna see what else I can do aside from that thing, right? It fails. So trying to work it from the outside in, and God said, that's not how I'm going to work this. Pray that God might instill this power, his person, in the inner person that you are. That he might start in the inner and regain that, the core, that spirit, your your very essence of your being, so then that might work its way out instead of trying to work the, the law on its way in. In Hebrews 4 12 and 13, it says that God's word, God's word is living and active, sharper than a two edged sword and able to cut all the way down to the division of the soul and the spirit. Have you guys ever seen the where your soul and your spirit divide? Have you ever seen that place? No, no, I have no idea where that is. So here's God saying, you know what? I have the ability to go into those places you can't even see. You don't even know they exist. But my word can go to those places and can make changes, can transform you can start to make you into the person I've intended for you to be, God can reach there. He alone can work the change. He alone can strengthen us in those places. He alone can help us become rooted in those ways and those places that we need to be so that we can stand against that wind, that battering spiritually that takes place against us. The result is, it says that Christ takes up residence within us. He takes up residence in that, in that place, that he, he settles there, in that place where all of our thoughts and all of our decision-making and all of the framing of our, of our intentions and our plans, where all of that comes from, he, he takes up residence in that place. He, he takes it over. He, he begins to shape that place, it says in in. In our passage, it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts. I want you to hear this part. This is important. That he may dwell in your hearts through, and we have down through faith, but literally in Greek it says through the faith. And why is that important? Well, because I think sometimes we think that if I just say a prayer, that somehow magically Jesus comes and he resides in my my heart, and then everything's good. But he says it's not just about asking Jesus into my heart. That's the first step. It's important that the person, the very presence of Jesus, the very presence of his spirit is within me. That's important. But he says that Christ may dwell in your heart through the faith. The faith. Because it's not just about me believing that Jesus exists or believing that he's a good guy or believing, even believing that he's God. Those are the things that we typically think of, that's what it means to have faith in Jesus. But it's also to believe what he said. It's to believe his teachings, to believe the truth of his word, to believe the faith. Not just have faith in Jesus, but to have our hearts begin to be filled with the faith. It begins to frame us, begins to shape us, begins to shape our thinking and our perspectives and our mind in that it's almost like Jesus is more able to show himself through us and in us. We become more grounded in him as we start aligning our own thoughts after his, as we begin to line up our own desires and our, our pursuits after him. Just so that Christ may dwell in your hearts by the, the faith, So it's not simply important that we believe, it's also important what we believe. It's important what we anchor into, how those roots go out, how they're sent out that gives them strength. The strength of God to stand against the lies and the onslaught of the evil one is not just the person of Christ in us, but it's the person of Christ in us also through the power of his word through the power of his teaching through the power of the way their lives become more aligned with the truth of God that's what Ephesians calls being rooted and grounded rooted and grounded but it says rooted and grounded in love and what's interesting is that it takes this thing about faith both trusting in Christ, but also being filled with and shaped by him, faith. And then it ties it with this thing called love. And that's not the only time that that happens in the New Testament. In the New Testament, in Galatians 5, 6, it says, you know what, in this life, nothing else matters but faith working itself out through love. Again, in 2 Peter In 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7, it gives this outline of spiritual maturity and it starts with faith, it ends with love. And it says, through diligence, with all diligence in our faith, we supply this and this and this and it builds and builds until we find that love is the result of what results in our life. So faith and love is this linkage of what it means to be grounded in Christ is a life that begins with this faith but then it works itself out through, through love. You know, in the same way, so we said that, you know, faith, faith isn't just believing in Jesus, it's also believing what he said. It's giving ourselves to everything that Jesus stands for, his word that is outlined there. That's, that's what faith is. In the same way, love is not just, you know, our, in our world, love just, a lot of times, it just means having this kind of I don't know, an affection for, a gooey feeling about, uh, you know, this just kind of emotional experience about. And it's usually when we think of love, we think of love like the lights are low and the music's playing just right, right? And you look across a room and all of a sudden you just go limp because, you know, you see this. That's love. But that's not what this is talking about. There's this, there's this love that's talked about in the Bible that goes, is the bedrock for any other kind of love that we have. And the word that's used is the word agape. And some of you guys have heard that, but this is, it says that this is the love that we're to be rooted and grounded into. And so that is it whether it's our marriage or whether it's this, this romantic attraction we have for someone or whether it's the relationship we have with a coworker or the, the person down the street or whether it's that, that compassion we show for a person we don't even know, that this foundational kind of love says that's what we're rooted into, the very love of God. in First Corinthians 13, I want you to listen to this. You know, this is read at a lot of weddings, right? And in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 gives this outline of what love is about. And I want you to listen to this. And do you hear any of those ooey-gooey feeling kind of words in here? Is that what we find here? 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind. Love isn't jealous, it doesn't brag, it's not arrogant, it doesn't act inappropriately, doesn't seek its own, is not provoked, doesn't hold a grudge, doesn't rejoice with that life that is outside God's intent, but rather rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And that's all real gritty kind of this world action, isn't it? It's it's responding in in the midst of a relationship in a way that would would seem counterintuitive to how we just immediately, our reaction is, I I, want to just lash out, but instead, we're, we're patient. And he says, that's love. That's agape. That's what God showed towards us, isn't it? When he had every right to say, you know, I, I should just take him out, and he said, no, I'm going to save them. I should, I should wipe them out, but instead, I'm going to lay my life down. He says, that's love. He says, that's the love that he says that we're, we're anchored into. Love is not a feeling we get. Love is an action that we take towards others. Love is what we show towards God. Love is what we show towards people within the body of Christ. Love is what we show towards people outside of the body of Christ. He says, nothing else matters but faith working itself out in love. That because of Jesus, we love one another. We love those with compassion who need God's love, who needs his protection that we would reach out to those even outside of this wall. He says, you know, it's so important that the people of God, that if we're in agreement on this, this is who Jesus was, and this is what he calls us to, then surely there would be love in this place. But he says, we even show it to those who are beyond this place with the hope that somehow they too will be brought into this place, brought into this place in this relationship with God where they too are rooted and grounded, where they can withstand the onslaught of the things that are crashing against their lives. Faith working itself through love, that's what roots us and grounds us against the destructive wind of the evil one. You know, growing up, uh, we lived outside of San Francisco when I was in junior high and high school. And, And in California, uh, somebody at one point had come from Australia and said, "You know, there are these trees that are great. They're huge, tall trees, and they make great shade. And they're just and um, they grow really well. And they brought over the eucalyptus trees. Well, it ends up that eucalyptus are just kind of a tree form of of weeds, and so they're everywhere." And they're just, they're massive, huge trees. The problem is, is that given any kind of a windstorm, they just come down. Now, our neighbor had a whole line of these eucalyptus trees because they're easy to plant. They grow up real quick. And they look, they provide shade. They look like they should be able to hold up. But any time we had a, a, good, a good, strong wind, one of these trees would come down. And because they're so big, they do a lot of damage. They, they take all kinds of, they take out fences. They take out, You know, if they go on your house, they'll take out a good chunk of your house. They'll take out stuff. And their problem is their roots. Their roots, they're they're shallow. They run along the surface. They don't go down. They don't grab into anything. It doesn't take a tornado like it does with an oak tree to pull them out. It just takes a, a good wind and they just blow over. When our lives go down, we have to realize that they do damage, not just to us, when spiritually we, we crumble before this wind, we have to realize, you know, in a tornado, it's not the wind that hurts people. It's the stuff that's blowing around in the wind. It's the two-by-fours that come shooting through your house or the, the car that comes crashing into your living room. That's what does the damage. When our lives aren't rooted, when they're not anchored in as God intended, we get blown around. We're not the only ones suffering. Everyone around us suffers with us. We need to realize that. One of the reasons that God, that this prayer was prayed was because God's concern isn't just for us, it's for others as well. Ephesians tells us that That's the negative side. The positive side is when we are rooted and grounded in Christ, that's when we grow into the fullness of God. We become full as we become everything that he intended for us to be. You guys, this this series is going alongside of these rooted groups, and we've kept telling you guys about rooted groups. Why do we do our Rooted series, why do we do our Rooted groups? It's because that not only do we as individually need to be rooted in Christ, but as a church, we need to be rooted together in Christ. And Rooted becomes that place where we can begin to talk about what is the faith What are the beginnings of those things? What are those things that are so important that we anchor into? Rooted is that place where we can start coming together as a a small group and we can start connecting with each other and find out that it's not just God's love that he pours out in me and through me alone, but it's also how God takes this group that's rooted together in love and he can use us in the lives of others. And so we seek to serve together and to pray together. We seek to do these things that it talks about. In this. And so, again, some of you guys, I know, some of you guys have been hanging out. We got a lot of people that are signed up for Rooted, and we're very thankful for that. But I did want to give you just one more <laughs> plug and say if you haven't, this is so important for us to get into a habit of, as a church, coming together, learning about what is this faith that we're a part of, and how do we become rooted and grounded in Christ through the faith working itself out through love. So what do we do? You guys, we start with prayer. I'm gonna keep hitting that one too. We start and we pray. We pray together, we pray individually, we pray. We soak everything that we do and everything that we see done in this place and in our lives in prayer. But the second is, find a way. Find a way to become rooted and grounded in the body, the body of Christ, in Christ himself through the way that we gather together, that we grow in our faith, we grow in this faith, and we grow in the way that we show God's love through that. Amen?